to White Pull out your spyglass, my friend, and take a look at this new set. I'd like to thank the Freightways TV team for helping put this thing together. I think it's pretty badass. I think it's super badass, and I think it fits the personality of this show pretty well. Sure, absolutely. It does. Much like that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so th does the map take us anywhere or anything? Yeah, this is actually a map to uh, Arkansas Moe's missing PPP money. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's got the, lo uh -huh, got the location on the back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a shovel in my pickup truck, bro. What do you say we head out there let's, after the show? Let's take the cameras with us. We'll bring the audience <laughs> with right. us on today's show. That's right. We'll be like uh, we're opening uh, the safe there. That uh, Anyway. Well, you know what, Michael? It feels like we were just here yesterday. You know why that is? Because we were. We were. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, was, yesterday was Last Mile Logistics. It was another virtual event we did. And you know what? To, to me, it was one of the most in, enriching ones. My, my, cup fulleth, fulleth, my cup filleth full because there's a lot of information there that I don't often consider in the Last Mile space. A lot of tech and stuff. We talked about warehouses, stuff on, on this show we've covered before. But hearing from, I mean, especially that guy with that really sick virtual car or uh, automated car. Oh, yeah. Uh, William from... Uh uh, go car? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cargo. Or cargo. Cargo. That's right. Yeah, had that backwards there. Uh, dyslexic moment there. But yeah, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, Last Mile is very, very interesting, and it's one of those things, unless you're in it, you really, you, you know kind of what it is, but you really don't know how involved and intricate it is. I've been in that space before, uh, and, and generally people understand that, you know, the, the difficulties, the profitability operational standpoint and, uh, you know, the profitability and those, those type of issues that are there. But what they don't understand is just how... There's so many different niche verticals within that particular vertical, right? From yeah. the bulky, the parcels, the bulky, the over the threshold, the white glove, I and mean, even the reverse logistics and the different aspects of that are just, I found it quite insightful and very, very interesting. Sure, we even got our knees dirty even talking about vaccines. We were talking about Trump's response, maybe involving the military. All of that information. If, guys, if you want to catch up on those events, they'll all be uploaded to FreightCast. Look up FreightCast on your favorite podcast player of choice or download the FreightWaves TV app where you can watch all of those as well, including a bunch of articles are being uploaded to FreightWaves.com. So any session you mess, missed will be available there. And congratulations to the gentleman who won the Peloton. Today we've got a great show coming for you. We're going to be talking about man and women's best friend driving in the cab. We have a driver who's got a, a very cute little dog that, that goes along with her. Uh, but we'll also talk about how that aids in retention and keeping drivers around, right? It's a yeah. deeply passionate subject for a lot of drivers. We're excited to talk to her. We're going to be talking about the top five worst weather states for trucking. we got Uber Freight's Bill Drigger, co-founder of Uber Freight. He's going to play it forward with us. I've already heard the drum solo. You're going to hear it at 1230. It is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's, he's pretty good. He was, uh, he was a punk rocker. Yeah. He tell. You can tell. Oh, yeah, he's got a big do. kit, too. He's got we'll a big to ask kit. Him a little bit about that. He's, he's open for some bands. We've also got the CEOs of Smart Hop. We got Guillermo Garcia on building a company and uh, all the back into that. And we have CRST Internationals, Hugh Eckberg, on the potential impacts of a driver shortage of our industry. But before we get there, let's tip the band. This month's show is brought to you by Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay partners with brokers and shippers to process carrier payments. With nearly 80,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay provides a simple solution for your carriers to manage their payments in one place. With Triumph Pay, carriers can upload and submit paperwork, manage their payments, and connect to brokers directly from anywhere. To learn more, tell them, dude. Go straight to triumphpay.com immediately after the show.
And we got some guests joining us. Ron is here, says happy Friday all. Wayne Craig, he's going to be on radio this Saturday. He said, hey, guys, from Women's Correctional Facility in San Antonio. One of those uh, TikTok connections may have finally worked out for him. <laughs> it did. It sounds like he's doing well. All right, here's one for you. The top five worst weather states for truckers. This comes from the umbrella of Nick Austin. You know, well, truck drivers is considered one of the most dangerous occupations in the United States. The majority mm -hmm. of professional drivers get through their careers without being any major accidents, despite what these nuclear verdicts would tell you. However, according to the NHTSA, commercial truck drivers account for 2.4% of all traffic fatalities nationwide every year. In some states, weather plays a contributing role. What's number one? So number one up there is is North Dakota at 8.8%. North Dakota has the highest truck fatality rate in the country, partially due to the state's oil boom, right? Uh, but weather also plays a big one there. So North Dakota is, is a big cold state. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful state, but it gets rather cold there. And most problems occur when the drivers need to make times on icy condition roads, right? So when driving in North Dakota, truckers have to really contend with the blowing snow, the high winds that piles up and the, and the snow that piles up on the ridges and often produce long whiteout conditions. And, and, you know, drivers are not accustomed to this. They may be uh, lined up for a long time waiting for things to pass and come to a screeching halt and, you know, shoulders are covered in snow, etc. So Matt Hedick says, dude on the dude, Michael Vinson. Love this set, guys. Looks a little bit like BJ and the Bear. Boom. Get a lot of mileage out of that thing if you saw yesterday's show. One more time and I'm walking off set. <laughs> All right, Colorado. The biggest weather issues facing truck drivers in Colorado are black ice and winds. You know, you ever driven around there? Tough roads. I know mm. that from being on the Northeast as well. I mean, things can come out of nowhere. You know what another big issue is? When you start getting a lot of blizzards coming in, when you're trying to pull out of your driveway, you're trying to pull into the street, sometimes you got to just hit the gas pedal and pray because you literally cannot see into the road where you're going. Oh, I mean, yeah, when it piles up along the road after the plow oh my goes God. by. Yeah, and go the roads get narrower and narrower. It gets very dangerous, very uh, very trepidatious. Yep. We have a, a quote here from Damon Lavery. He's a professional drug driver. He told Business Insider in September, in my opinion, it's better to take 180 until Utah and then go Los Angeles through Salt Lake City. It's a lot easier that way. It's a little more miles, but you're a lot safer. Yeah, well, you know, hey, it is... It, it, do it safely. Take the run around. That's for, that's for definitely sure. So up next is Texas. Mm. Texas is truck country, my friend, for 18-wheelers and pickup trucks. Wow. Seems like it would be nice weather. Uh, it'd be great weather, right? But, you know, it... it you know, the 18-wheelers, you know, the, the truck drivers, they know that it's there. But, you know, the, the people know that they're there. They make room for them, all that kind of stuff. But when you're talking about a, a fatality rate at 3.6, which is which is pretty high, uh, the challenge comes with flash flooding. Oh. You know, flash flooding can appear out of nowhere, uh, especially during hurricanes. Like, we've got one hitting the Gulf right now. Big issue with Delta coming in right around where Laura hit in. You still got a lot of wetness in there, still people recovering. So that's going to be a tough situation. Stay tuned to FreightWaves.com and Nick Austin's reporting on all of that. The next one on here is Wyoming, right? Wyoming is another state in which truckers have to deal with high winds, especially around Elk Mountain, where some freeways turn diagonal, never good. And I believe, uh, where, where was it? Was it Salt Lake where 45 trucks turned over in one day? But wind yeah. can wreak havoc. The wind there will often lead to tractor trailer rollovers and chain reaction accidents, even on sunny days. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they've got the same situation in Nebraska, oh. which is up next, right? I mean, in that truck, that 53-foot trailer behind you, especially if it's empty, it's just a huge sail. Yeah. And it just catches those gusting winds and can turn off, you know, blow you over, cause turnovers, blow you right off the road. Happens quite a bit with those crosswinds. But even headwinds and strong tailwinds can really wreak havoc with a 53-footer. And if you're pulling doubles or something like that or triples... 
it gets a little bit crazy. Yeah. A uh, little, little, uh, little what the truck fact, too. Do you know that Emily Zink's dog is named Annie after her time in Nebraska? Like N-E, state abbreviation. Oh, is that the name? Annie? That, yeah, that's the name of her dog. Oh, no kidding. It's true. Absolutely. You know, I'm surprised that she we didn't see... She's a Cornhusker, right? I'm surprised that we didn't... She is. Yes, I'm surprised. No, she's not. She's a Dayton Flyer. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, all right. Ohio. All right. Yeah, that is Ohio. Michael, Vince, I can tell you something. I'm surprised Georgia's not in here, though. If you've ever driven through Atlanta, I mean, that oh, is uh, that's one of the worst of places I've ever driven. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. He just yeah, lost his box over there. Here, go pick here. it up. I'll distract no, I, him with the bear. <laughs> distract him with the bear. The bear pulled it right out of my pocket. I threatened to leave the thing. Uh, Nico Brown says, I love the tropical skull shirt. Timothy Dooner, it is rocking. Thank you, Nico Brown. Hallie Fazio says, Freight family, love the setup. Thanks for keeping us all up to date. It is fire. It, it is nice. I love it. I love it. You know, we're going to be talking to Hugh Eckberg. He's the president and CEO of CRST International. He wants to talk to us about the driver shortage and how dedicated solutions deliver the trifecta. Win, win, win for drivers, shippers, and carriers in the current market environment. And just as importantly, in all market environments. We got Hugh here. Let's bring him up. Hey, Hugh. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Where, where, are, you, uh, where are you calling in from? Beautiful southern Wisconsin today in Kenosha. Oh, I couldn't tell from the accent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I'm, I'm an Iowan, but you know, I'm over in Wisconsin today, but uh, I think we all kind of sound the same. That's, well, that's why we were confused. He's Iowan. That, that was oh, the, we were got confusing the Iowan accent with the Wisconsin accent. How's things in uh, Kenosha, Hugh? Actually, beautiful today. Um, great day to be here in the, in the Midwest. Beautiful, sunny fall day. Kind of feels like football weather. There's not enough football going on yet, though. Uh, yeah, couldn't and, agree more. Geez, we start to hear about more and more infections too. We're going to get to that later in the show when we when we talk about that and good news, bad news. But um, yeah, we hope that hope the football season is saved. I've been really appreciating it being back, especially after a uh, a, a summer dead zone. Correct. But for those who are unfamiliar, just tuning into the broadcast, may not have heard of CRST. Just give us uh, like the slight elevator pitch on what you folks do. Uh, sure. We do a bunch of stuff. You guys were talking earlier about, uh, you know, the, the final mile home delivery space. That's a space we're in and, and recently got into much bigger. Um, it's been a great opportunity for us. little tidbit uh, as, as part of this COVID world over the um, summer to protect some of the citizens of New York City. The government chose to provide um, air conditioners to several people to keep them in their homes and have to go out and they can stay cool in their apartments. CRST installed over 40,000 air conditioners um, in about eight weeks um, to support that program as part of our um, home solutions business, which is our home delivery and home installation business. Well, that is really cool. I'm going to give you a little cowbell for that before you move on, because that, that was a cool thing. A little cowbell for giving out that air conditioning. Yeah. So we got about 2,500 trucks and dedicated. Um, we've got one of the largest team fleets, uh, expedited fleets, about 1,500 trucks in that fleet. Uh, and then we've got a nice large flatbed fleet. I just talked about our home delivery. We call it our specialized solutions business. Um, but CRST has been around since um, 1955. Um, great story of a company that started with a great entrepreneur and built it into one of the largest um, full truckload carriers today, but a very, very broad array of capabilities across the total portfolio. Wow. Great, great stuff. And I love the I love the fact of those 40,000 air conditioning units. Yeah. I love the cowbell there. That's really good stuff. So, you know, Hugh, obviously the trucking industry, everybody knows we've kind of been embroiled in this long-term challenge that reaches new heights during this current environment. And we're, of course, we're talking about the availability of professional truck drivers. Uh, how can shippers and carriers best overcome this, this challenge? And it's a super hard pitch right now. We all know that. Obviously, um, drivers taken out of the market due to shutting down or restraining the DOTs and training schools this year. 
about 26, 27,000 drivers. I understand that are on the um, drug, um, the, the clearinghouse that can't drive. We don't want those drivers on the road, but nonetheless, there are drivers that were on the road, but now that new system's keeping them off the road. Um, and some drivers don't want to drive in this environment. So it's getting tighter and tighter. Um, now, we need to continue to do as an industry, tell people this is a great career, get people, truck drivers, understand it's respectable, it's rewarding, and it's, it's really key for this country and our economy. Uh, but I think just as importantly, there's ways we can work better to ensure that the trucks and drivers we have are doing more. So we had a conversation recently with some customers really talking about as we get into the world of, of looking at just capacity and drivers are the key driver to capacity, that a dedicated solution is a true win-win-win. What I mean by that is you'll hear all drivers talk about it. You guys know this, all trucking companies. Utilization is key in, in a non-engineered, non-designed kind of one-way route. There's just all kinds of wasted time. Lots of times that truck is sitting um, and, and not being utilized, but it's there, but it's not being utilized. And we all know drivers don't like to sit. Drivers want to be busy. They want to work hard. They want to earn their um, fair income, and then they want to get home. So the great thing about working on dedicated is when customers and carriers work together, they can, you know, they can engineer a system, they can engineer a network and figure out how do we do more with fewer trucks and fewer drivers. And the reason I call it a win-win-win, it's better for drivers. They're, they're driving more. It's more rewarding. They're getting home more. Quite honestly, several of those drivers may earn more, but for the customer, it's not going to cost them more because they're using less drivers. They're using less trucks because we're engineering the waste out of the system. And then again, for a carrier, it's great because it helps us attract and retain drivers, allows us to provide better service to that customer. And just as importantly, it helps us better utilize our assets so that we're getting a good return on those large investments we're making. So, you know, as I think about it, I spend a big part of my career in manufacturing and, and the dedicated service model is very similar to what the best manufacturers do. You know, they don't just go out and try to get the lowest bid to figure out how to take cost out and add quality to a manufactured product. They bring their supplier into the design process and help that supplier that's got expertise in a certain component to design a product, take cost out by taking out waste, not just by competing on price. You mentioned it there a few times, customers. How does CRST work with customers to help realize the maximum benefits of that approach? So what we really try to do is make them understand this is something we do. As I mentioned, out of our 6,000 truck fleet, we have about 2,500 trucks in the dedicated space. This is something that we do, we've been doing. The most important thing we need to do is let them understand this needs to be collaborative. We need to work together and that if we just debate on rate per loaded mile, the reality is when that truck's rolling, that cost isn't going to change an awful lot. There's fuel, there's driver pay, there's maintenance, there's the cost of the truck. But when it's moving, that's what the cost is. The way to take cost out is to work together to take out the time that truck is sitting. Focus on driving utilization, make sure the trucks are carrying loads more often, make sure drivers are sitting less often. Um, so we were with our customers on that. The other one that you talked about at the intro are these nuclear verdicts. I think it's very important, and I'm kind of surprised how often I'll talk to a customer that may have their own private fleet doesn't fully understand what's going on in this world, our, our litigious space and these nuclear verdicts and the impact it can have on a manufacturing company, but their expertise is not trucking. Tr professional trucking companies are, are experts at this. This is what we do. We want to provide a high service. We also do understand that environment a little better. So the real key to this is working with the customers, really understanding their business and figuring out how do we bring more value to them.
Yeah, so that, that all makes perfect sense to me, Hugh, and a great explanation of how you work with those customers. You know, the, the capacity provider, which is, which is you and your customers working to design these networks and optimizing them, obviously. But specifically to the driver, you talk about how it's a win-win-win. That third win, the driver, can you speak uh, more specifics to that as, as how that's beneficial to that driver and can help recruit better drivers and retain them? Certainly, and, and this can even vary by market, but one thing we're doing in some of the toughest markets, we're talking to the customer about this very thing. One of our challenges is going to be to attract and retain drivers and making sure we have that reliable and effective capacity for our customers' needs. So we can work with the customer to design the network in a way that we can show them. This is, a, this is a driving job that we're going to attract drivers to and keep drivers in. So we have that consistent, high-quality, knowledgeable driver Drivers like being part of that team, right? They're part of the driving team of the company they drive for. They're also part of that company team in managing that company's work. So there's rewards for drivers on that front. But the most important part is understanding how do we create routes, whether we're using um, relays um, or we're designing a route that just gets a, a driver in and out of a certain location so they know when they're going to be home. That home time is very predictable. And just as important, maybe more importantly, they're, what they're getting paid for is predictable. Whether they're getting paid by mile, paid by the hour, paid by delivery, paid by a, a task they do, we can define that very clearly, and it's a very, very consistent paycheck for that driver. All those things are good ways to attract and to train. And I would love it when you talk to the driver on the show today, if you get her <laughs> input, if, if she, tell her say if what I'm saying makes sense. I think she's going to be a very big advocate of uh, dog-friendly cabs because uh, yeah. <laughs> it all features on her dog and, and dogs in the cab. But you know what? An interesting topic that did come up during Final Mile in driver retention was um, the, the siphoning off of drivers to the delivery van space, that Final Mile space yeah, for, right. for ease of life. Just real quickly, do you see any threat from that? Or are you seeing any encroachment on drivers? Is that making it harder to find drivers? So I, we definitely see a threat from anything that allows that driver to have that lifestyle at a comparable compensation. Now, the nice thing is the trucking industry pay is, is good. So our drivers you know, have, can make a very good living um, behind the wheel out in the road. Uh, but if they're looking at a construction job or they're looking at a, a daily home delivery job, which is said, we have a large business there, and, and those um, drivers we work with there, they're home every night, and they make a very good wage, and they're doing a similar role. So it's a threat, at least for us. We're in that space, so if drivers flow into that space, it helps us grow that business. But any job that's out there where they're going to get that consistent paycheck and predictable lifestyle getting home is a threat. And, again, we need to communicate better as an industry what a really respectable, rewarding, and important career it is to be a professional truck driver and then deliver on it with these jobs that um, deliver on those rewards and, and that uh, um, satisfaction. Well, I like what you have to say, Hugh, and if some of our listeners did, they want to learn more about CRST International, where should we send them to after the show? Send them to our website. Our website will take them anywhere they need to go, and they can get the driver can get a hold of our recruiting team, customer can get a hold of our sales team, and we would love to talk to anybody. Wow. Hey, Hugh, thank you very much, man. A couple people in the comments were saying, go Pack Go. So uh, I don't know if you're a big Packers fan over there. I don't see the cheese head on. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, since I'm kind of a visitor and lived here for a while, <laughs> Packers is my second favorite. So I'm going to say go Steelers. No, oh, like, see, go Steelers. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, look, go. I'm down here in Tennessee. I'm not putting on, like, Titans gear. You know, you <laughs> no. can't just change your colors like that. I appreciate that. I think he's more trustable because he's, he's sticking with the home team. Absolutely. Stick with your home team, man. <laughs> well, Hugh, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. Have an excellent weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks, Hugh.
Wow, great information out of him. We got a couple people rolling into the comments now. Chris Blank, he said he can't run stuff today. I wonder why, Chris, why can't you run stuff today? Uh, Jeff Swanson says, spot on, Hugh. Taylor Barker says, y'all in here listening to Trucking Talk, and I'm over here like, I'd sure like to go to one of Tim's yard sales to buy up some of his cool shirts. Uh, one of these days, uh, you know, if I do if I do well on the Peloton, I might have some to sell. If I don't do well, I might uh, need some new clothes. I'll have the so, Dooner vintage section way. in the swag store. Either way. I, I get all this stuff secondhand, too, off like Etsy. That's where you find some of the best stuff. Let me ask you something. Let me, yeah. let me spin my own wheel of stupid oh, questions. No, here. Let me wheel of my, stupidity. Let me ask my own, my own wheel of stupid questions. And by the way, guys, oh, wow. the wheel of stupid questions, let's tell you a little bit about that as well yeah. because there will be a physical wheel in fact oh, yeah. it's in the mail right now but the wheel of stupid questions if you're out there you want to come on what the truck you want to answer some stupid questions with us just reach out to me <laughs> at timothy dooner or reach just pretty much every guest anyway <laughs> anyway it's, it's a good way to open it up and just uh, sort of like play it forward it's another opportunity for guests to come on we're yeah. trying to give you another opportunity to also come on to this show sure all right you want you want stupid question number yeah. one yeah all right, Give it to all right. Me. would you rather know the history of every object you touched or be able to talk to animals. Mm. How about me, you in the audience? Yeah, get your answers in there. Let me think about this for a second. If I could touch a, 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 any object and know its history, um, could I decide? Is this something that happens no regardless? I mean, it's it just there. If I touch it, then I just get it, or can I just get it at choice? Uh, you decide. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Because I can imagine touching objects, and I really didn't want to know their history. <laughs> you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go with uh, talking to animals, man. Talking to animals, overlearning the history of every object. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating topic to me because, like, sometimes the nice thing about having an animal is that they don't talk back to you. Well, it, it is, but I think it'd be cool to have a conversation with, with animals and talk to them. And since it's a conversation, you can choose to have that conversation or not. I, I'm just looking at it from be careful of what you wish for. <laughs> you know, I'm not... I, would, I would rather know the history of every object because I already know what my animals are thinking. Uh-huh. It's intuitive like that. All right, that's got to stop. That's got to stop. That's got to stop. <laughs> I don't want to know the history of every object that comes out of this phone. <laughs> well, see, you don't have a choice. Yes. <laughs> you're going to know You're gonna know that history. Let's bring Bill Drieger up oh, here. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Bill. Yeah, hey, Bill Drieger. Bill, man, thank you for saving us. We're drowning over here in this <laughs> segment. We were supposed to talk to this lady about dogs and the cats. We're trying to BS our way through it. Man, I'm like, when are the drums going to come? When are the drums going to come? All right, man. Well, it's awesome Uber to have you. Over Freight to the Rescue, my Uber friend. Over Freight to the Rescue. Let's take a look at you beating those skins. They can fix up the echo in the back at your volume levels all set up. And let, let's go to the video. Kick it to the video, guys. Sweet. Dude, that's Sweet. one heck of a kit, too. What are you playing on over there? Yeah, it's some rolling V drums. I've had those for forever. It's perfect when you're, you're moving around. And <laughs> when I was young, when you're living in an apartment, like you can't play on a live set. I've got a live set, too, but it's so loud, right? I mean, playing drums, like, you know, you, you, having an electric kit lets you play a lot more, for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly does. Which is your fa- what's your favorite to play on, the electric or the live kit? 
I prefer the live, but you know, we've, we've got a dog who does not prefer the live kit. So <laughs> end up on the electric kit a lot more. Hey, one of the one of the big trends, Bill, I've been seeing, and I don't know if you've seen any of those online, but on like Reddit and on Instagram, like on Instagram lives and those kind of things, I've been seeing a ton of young kids playing along to to like hit rock songs, doing their own drum things. People are tipping them. People are like these things are getting thousands and thousands of viewers. It's wild. Yeah, no, I know. Well, it's actually, I, I, I wanted to do a backing track, but I know that we got broadcast issues. But you know, playing <laughs> along the songs, doing your own kind of riff on songs with electric kits, too, it makes it so much easier these days because you can just kind of get that dialed in. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of cool. My, my daughter actually plays drums and she plays bass. And so she loves those videos. She watches a lot of those videos. There's a lot of good, uh, good content out there. Now, now does your you do does your team because you got you got a pretty you got a pretty nice position over at Uber Freight? Do they know that you play drums? Are they familiar? They do, and uh, I actually played at a Freight Waves an Uber Freight event a while back with with Craig Fowler. So uh, a few Whoa. people got to see that, see that live. Yeah, I saw um, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, live. But this will be the first time a lot of people have seen me play. So wait, what did Craig play? Uh, I think he sang, didn't he? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was singing. So, yeah, I, I got to catch that. If you ever need need to. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Send, inbox that yeah. to us, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I caught that. I caught that live set. Uh, that was in uh, uh, Dallas, Grapevine, I believe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I caught. Yeah, I caught that live set. But you've played live before, haven't you? And actually, uh, your band is open for some other bands. Is that right? Yeah, I have. So when I was, I, so I've been drumming since I was 13 and I actually uh, was in a punk band all through high school. And we were the kind of the only pop punk band of any renown in, in Dallas when we were, uh, we were active. So we got invited to open for a lot of bands like Blink-182, Green Day, back when they were little. Uh, but yeah, that was a big part of my, my high school experience was being a drummer in the, the band. Excellent. So is punk still your uh, go-to music of choice when you're uh, chilling and uh, or driving in a car? Well, my music, my musical tastes, I'd say, have matured quite a bit. But I've got <laughs> eclectic, eclectic uh, mix of music I, I, I listen to. But when you're playing drums, it's funner to play to the heavy stuff. So typically when you're putting on the headphones, rocking out, it's going to be uh, something a little heavier. Taylor Barker, he says, hmm, wonder if he's ever been to Matt's with those drums, LOL. You ever play at an event other than the Freight Waves one with uh, Craig Fuller on vocals? No, I did play at CSCMP one year. They had, they had a, uh, uh, like a, band, a call for musicians and a, a band at the opening event, but not at Matt's, no. But uh, I'll have to take more opportunity to get out there. Now, i got to ask you, you're co-founder of Uber Freight, and do you ever go... This is great. This is cool. But I, I wish I pursued like the, the drumming thing. I wish I was a rock star because like, you know, we, it, I'm sure Michael is like, you know, I wonder what being a rock star like. I know I'm like, oh, what would being a rock star like? I was in the music industry before. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I think those dreams have long since retired. The, <laughs> the funny part of that is that so in, in high school, the band that I played with, they all moved to L.A. to make it big and find it and found another drummer. And I said, I'm going to college to get a career. So I actually gave up on those dreams uh, early for the much more glamorous world of logistics and, and supply chain. They oh, yeah, absolutely. Much more fame in logistics, my friend. No well, doubt about it. <laughs> well, nowadays, right? Nowadays, you're in like digital age. You can just share a link to an article that says you got a $500 million deal with Greenbrier, right? That'll, that'll get you in the backstage yep. at some clubs. 
Yeah. <laughs> get you some backstage passes to yeah. your buddy's band who went out to L.A. to make it big. Now you're in the backstage yeah. with them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, the deal. So, so what's up with Uber Freight now at, at this point in time in uh, 2020? We, I know that you were on. Uh, you talked about that news recently with with Michael. We've seen the article, but for what the truck for the what the truck audience? Uh, what's up with Uber Freight? Yeah, so this is uh, obviously very big news for us. We're very excited to have Greenbrier as a partner. And, and Greenbrier, as you know, is uh, you know they have a, a long history in operations and supply chain and logistics, and they have a deep, deep well of knowledge and resources. So being able to tap into them uh, as a partner, uh, I think, is huge. And obviously the the funding as well. I think uh, you know for us, it's obviously a huge vote of confidence in what we're doing, kind of validation of, of all that we've built, and sets us up very well for the for the next step. You know, we continue to scale and deliver and accelerate and, and push to that future of, uh, of freight. So yeah, it's very exciting, very exciting all around. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, Bill. You, it, you're, you're starting to connect all of all of the different, you know, the final mile, et cetera, that type of stuff. Can you speak to that a little bit? With, I mean, there's a lot of people talking about Uber Eats and bringing that in and using that for parcel delivery, et cetera. Is that the plan to expand that final mile? Yeah, there's absolutely a lot of uh, interesting opportunities that have uh, kind of come to the table over the last year because we now have Uber Direct. We have the corner shop acquisition, which is grocery delivery, uh, on top of Eats, as well as the Postmates deal, which is in progress. Uh, all of that has really uh, shifted uh, a lot of what Uber does as a company to a lot much broader footprint across transportation and, and delivery. And so certainly, it's, it's easy to see how freight fits within that um, and how there's a lot of white space still um, that you know, left to fill in with all these new service lines that we're bringing to market. And for our business customers, a lot of them have been asking us for, for years, like, how can we do delivery? How can we tap into the Uber network? And uh, now we have a lot of those capabilities. And that was really accelerated uh, through this crisis, because as you know, right, e-commerce delivery uh, is just exploded. And for us, Eats has continued to be extremely healthy uh, through, the, through this crisis, because people are home just ordering stuff on their iPhones, right? Some of the shade that sort of traditional, maybe legacy uh, 3PLs brokers throw at, you know, digital freight brokers is about profitability, how much money they're making and all that. Should they be concerned with that? Are you concerned with what they think at all? What What is Uber Freight concerned with right now? It, it takes investment to build a strong uh, and excellent product. And we're concerned about executing on our game plan. We're very comfortable with our trajectory and where we're headed. Uh, so, yes, that, that comes up uh, uh, quite a bit. And you know, certainly we're, we're in the business of making money and we're here because we believe that the model that we're building will get us on a great trajectory to do that. And we're very comfortable. And, you know, I think the investment is also just a signal of that. Um, you know, Greenbrier did exceptional diligence as they went through this process. And, uh, you know, we're very confident with our trajectory. But ultimately, investing in new stuff and technology and you know, building a company like this, right, takes, it takes investment. Yeah, so shortly before this investment, you came out with, uh, and, and you were on the show talking about, uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Uber Enterprise and Uber Link, right? And I kind of see those, and maybe I'm wrong, as kind of this, this glue that fits all the other different moving parts together, right? And, and then really brings you together with the actual shipper experience and moving from that, bringing on all those carriers, although that's important, but bringing that value add to the, to the shippers. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that, that's a good point. And 
as you talk about services like direct and it's it's easy in some of the other services across Uber, it's easy to see how it would be beneficial to have those all, all in one platform. The link and the enterprise and within that, we so enterprise is really the umbrella um, for uh, what we're calling link and what we call marketplace, which are two products that sit within our enterprise solution. And link is really all about taking the execution platform we built for freight and extending that to our shippers. So allowing them to execute freight to their carriers, their own carriers, where they're managing their own relationships through our uh, execution platform. With marketplace, it's more about directly plugging into our current freight marketplace. So those currently, those are two very freight specific products, uh, but you know, clearly our intent is to continue to add new products and new capabilities and new services once a shipper has signed up. We've been doing that quite continually on our uh, shipper platform, uh, on our product for the SMB and our, the smaller shippers and the mid-sized shippers. And now it's really about how we can do that for the enterprise shippers and layer on all these products for them and give them access to all these tools. And a big part of that was that we had invested so much in the tooling internally and we built this very efficient marketplace that we recognize that there's an opportunity to offer that to our shippers. And they've been asking us for that as well. It's, it's you know, we have the largest install base uh, uh, in the market in terms of our application and the usage of it. And so clearly that's a great channel for shippers to, to reach their carriers as well. Amanda Miller, she said, I'd like to know how Uber Freight is going to handle driver issues that require human intervention uh, in terms of like uh, appointments, detention, TONU, that kind of thing. Do you have a do you have an answer that may satisfy her? Yeah, absolutely. So we are still very much a people driven business. And I it's you know, we are a tech company. We're here to bring tech to the market, to make the market more efficient. But a lot of what people do today in the market is just transactional management and uh, work that is much better served through technology. But that doesn't mean that the relationships go away. We very much still believe that relationships matter. Being available and accessible when you do have an issue matters. So we do have an operational team, uh, a deep bench of talent that when there is an issue, we can resolve it. And when a carrier has an issue and they call in, they get quick resolution. When a shipper has an issue, they call in, they get quick resolution. So yeah, when there's a TONU and a carrier has an issue, right, they can get somebody on the phone and help uh, resolve that. And similarly, if a shipper has an issue, they can get someone on the phone and help resolve that. Bill, I think that there's there's always sort of this misnomer when it comes to digital brokerage as as if it's just like a server or it literally is just the app. And there's not like... Yeah. A ton of human beings on the back end in a gigantic office with experience yeah. servicing this. Like, if you are doing a bad job for either your clients or for the drivers, you're not going to have either. So you still have to resolve these issues in the same way that any other type of brokerage would. All you're doing, I mean, we say digital, and what you just said right now is you're trying to make the process more efficient. And when you optimize it, that's where the savings and the money can be, and you can make life easier on both ends of the transaction. Is that a fair way to put it? That's a fair way to put it. There's a lot of work that happens in logistics that is, I would say, kind of busy work or just friction that gets added to the process. And ultimately, the tech allows us to take that out. It is much more efficient. Fundamentally, like we can do a lot more with a lot less, and that's the end state. But you still have people there, and there still will be things and times that you have to have a person step in and help out. Mike, are you going to spin the wheel? Yeah, excellent stuff. So, Bill, uh, in, in case you haven't noticed we or heard, we now have a new p- uh, segment on, on the show, the, the Wheel of Stupid. 
What? Uh, it, it was not inspired by you, so don't please don't take offense. I think I, I think I actually inspired it because Dooner put some questions on the on the sheet once and, and just to see if I'd ask him, and I and I actually did. So I think I'm actually the the inspiration for the, for this, but. We're going to, I think, Dooner, I'm going to spin the, virtually spin the wheel of stupid questions. All right, shot violation. Just ask the question. All right, here's the question. (laughs) Here's the wheel of stupid question. Would you rather be stuck on a broken ski lift or in a broken elevator? Oh, man. Actually, broken elevator. And I'll tell you why, because I once was stuck in a broken elevator, and uh, we were able to figure out how to pull the doors out and unlatch it and then crawl out, so... Uh, I'd be much more comfortable on a broken elevator. I think I could get out of that. Uh, broken ski lift, you're just hanging up there. I don't know how, you know. How to a lot out. of variables, right? You got the weather working against you. You got to wait for whoever the ski lift operator is or ski yeah. patrol to yeah. come rescue you. If you ever seen the movie Frozen, not the Disney one, there's like a horror movie about a ski lift that gets stuck <laughs> yeah. and these people are there for like two days. He jumps off and he breaks his leg and wolves eat him. It's just not a good situation. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I think both of them, either one of them, depends on what kind of entertainment you have with you, and it also depends on <laughs> depends on. Uh, you know, it's something to take your mind off it. But uh, and also, it, are you claustrophobic or scared of heights? I think it has a lot to do with it as well. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, Bill, thank you. I might be cold too, right? In an elevator, I'm assuming I'm going to be at normal, like a you know room temperature, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Like That's the worst thing true. is if you like are stuck in there a long time and maybe you're with like I don't know, you got to go to the bathroom or something. That wouldn't be good, but it's better than freezing yeah. to death. Uh, <laughs> Bill, I really yeah. appreciate you playing the drums for us today. Your candor, doing our segments and all that stuff. People want to learn more about you or Uber Freight. Where do we send them? Uh, so freight.uber.com and uh, we, uh, you, can, you can reach out to our, our team straight through the website. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bill. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. I'm with him. I would, I, would, uh, I would stay in the elevator. I wouldn't like the ski lift. I'm going with the ski lift. I'm claustrophobic. All right. He's going with the ski lift. You know who we're going to talk to now, though, is Guillermo Garcia. He's the co-founder and CEO at SmartHop. We're going to talk to him a little bit about the how and why uh, for you know, shaping his worldview at SmartHop and uh, talking about some of the struggles, the, the struggles and triumphs of building a company and uh, some of the uncertainty that's been going on during COVID. If we could bring him up now, love to talk to him. Sounds awesome. Hey, hey Guillermo. Guys, how are you? How's it going, man? Are you, uh, are you in Miami right now? I'm actually I'm in Miami, yeah. Wow, wow, man! You ever check you ever check out a pitbull concert out there? No, uh, I've I've seen pitbull quite uh, quite a lot actually. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I won't be seeing myself in drums today. Uh, uh, but uh, Bill did a great uh, uh, a great stuff for us to to kick it off. Oh, yeah, he's wonderful. He's, he's wonderful. He is also a co-founder like you are. And one of the things I was excited to talk to you about was a little bit of perspective on the how and why. So why did you start SmartHop? And maybe that will inform the, the journey and where you're at now. But let's start a little bit of at, at the beginning. What problem did you see? And you're like, you know what? SmartHop. Yeah, so I, I started as a pet food delivery guy uh, back in college in Venezuela Turned that into a trucking company, um, decided that I needed to relocate. So came to the U.S. in 2012. And man, I saw the struggles of uh, building an asset-based trucking company in the U.S. Unfortunately, nobody told me not to base an over-the-road trucking company in Miami. Horrible, horrible <laughs> idea. You know how it is, right? You have, you have to learn the hard way. Trucking is not easy. 
imagine <laughs> the guys that are based in Miami losing a lot of money going out of Miami. So that's pretty much uh, where I started. And I said, I need to do something for myself and for the thousands of truckers out there. Uh, there has to be a better way. You know what, though? I, I'm glad you said that. I, I mean, I love when, I, one of the things I like talking to founders and co-founders about is they are intimately involved in that journey. And most companies, you start off going one direction and it changes radically. And that's true here at Freight Waves as well. You've been here for four years. I've been here oh, for yeah. almost two. In that time, this, com- this company has changed radically and fundamentally each time we've had to pivot and react to stuff. And you uh, being in Miami and learning that lesson is also a fascinating thing. Yeah, because he was literally going one direction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you'll get paid on 80 cents, 90 cents a mile just to get out of Miami. And you're like, why did I decide Miami? Why did I, <laughs> I, I could land it in Atlanta? I could land it somewhere else, but why Miami? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great, I love Miami. I've lived in Miami. I absolutely love the culture and the idea, but I, I understand exactly. So that's what caused that. That's kind of what the problem was and caused you to pivot. So tell us about smart, uh, smart hop and the solution. Yeah. So at that time, I mean, I was uh, struggling like uh, many people out there that are uh, really a hundred percent of the spot market, uh, trying to find their way through the Uber freights of the world. Right. And so very transactional. And uh, when I understood that building a trucking company is not scalable, I mean, your bottom line, imagine it was prohibited for me insurance. I had to start under FedEx authority just to get a truck on the road. Nobody wanted it to insure me, uh, less uh, give me money to buy a truck, right? So uh, we came with this concept of building a business in a box model for small trucking companies, right? We want to give all the tools and the resources that I didn't have uh, when I started and give them the economies of scale of the leading carriers, but still having them as independent and autonomous as they crave to be, right? They, they, the driver and the owner operator, they want to be independent. They want to stay independent, but still their bottom line, they're paying too much on their bottom line. So we build this amazing technology that connects with uh, freight brokers. Uh, we analyze and we are automating the decision-making process of booking a load. So which is the broker, which is the load at what price and making the relationships with the Uber freights of the world, the Redwoods logistics, uh, we are able to suggest what's best for you at any given time. And think about this over the road uh, truckers that will spend a couple of weeks out uh, at the same time, right? And as we grow, we are able to negotiate in scale fuel, insurance, assets. Uh, We're making great partnerships with companies like Ryder, like um, Pilot and Flying J, right? And so we want to bring economies of scale for them to be really profitable, but at the same time, be as independent as they're craving to be. Hey, Guillermo, let me ask you something. Uh, What's the hardest part of your job? Mine is hearing uh, sirens driving by on on, on Market (laughs) Street. That's one of the challenges that I face. But but what do you face? What's the challenge you face? You're like, I wish this this was easier. I want to change the process. Yeah, I wish that people understand and recognize better the small trucking companies and uh, how hard their job is. I, I mean, I'm 
I'm at an office, right? The hard work is our customers. They spend three weeks out on the road. They truly don't get uh, that recognition. And, and so we're trying to uh, be their voice. When we talk with uh, freight brokers out there, we're not talking about a one-man show. We're, we're now servicing over 100 trucks. Uh, we launched uh, literally uh, seven months ago, and now we're completely dispatching over 100 trucks. So when we talk uh, with freight brokers, we're talking on behalf of them. I mean, we're asking them for the good loads, not the loads that they send to the load boards. I mean, uh, see us and give the opportunity to these small trucking companies to have those good loads. And at the same time, we're talking uh, with the riders and the insurance uh, companies to say, hey, I mean, we're helping them manage end-to-end operations. We're helping them have all the right tools, reduce the risk. Because when you ask an insurance company, they'll say, uh, man, I mean, trucking is the highest risk or second to highest risk. So, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't really uh, underwrite them um, on what they can achieve. But they're, they're just like benchmarking everybody in one bucket. So that's what we want to change. I wish that uh, these companies will take it um, as is. Excellent, Guillermo. Thank you for that. So now, Guillermo, it's time for me to spin the wheel of stupid questions. Are you ready? Ah, hit it. <laughs> All right. So it's spinning, and here it is. Would you rather work more hours per day but fewer days or work fewer hours per day but more days. That's, not a, that's a good question to ask a CEO. And it is. <laughs> it's actually not that stupid, that's is it? That's a good one to ask. <laughs> it's it's actually, qualified. No, no, <laughs> more hours. Would you rather work more hours per day but fewer days or fewer hours per day but more days? Oh, certainly fewer hours but more days. I mean, uh, you have to have a balance. And, and again, my friends will say, why are you seeing the, the logistics as you see it? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur in logistics. I mean, it can't get, uh, it can't get better, right? Hours of logistics, being an entrepreneur. So certainly more days, less hours uh, to have a better balance. <laughs> I'm with him. I, I have a hard time on days off. Like I already, with the radio show, I already work six days a week. And then on Sunday, I'm like, I kind of am still working. I mean, especially in my position yeah. medium, I'm constantly reading. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm following trucking Twitter. I'm getting information on all this stuff. So I'm with you. I'd rather work like six hours a day because I'm probably going to anyway. So like, sure, I'd rather just be classified that way. And if you're in logistics, you'll, you'll be oh, yeah. seven days a week. So I'd rather <laughs> be the same See, seven he weeks, knows. but have because you know those days can be like 12, 18 hours a day, especially when you're working in dispatch and trying to resolve those problems. So if you're going, hey, less less hours a day, then that's like, I'll take it. I'll take it. And man, in trucking, uh, the call comes at 2 a.m. on a Saturday. They, they don't come on a 2 p.m. Wednesday. You'll have to be resolving issues during the weekend. That's for sure. Well, Guillermo, we, we, we've run out of time on the segment here, but you've done an, you've done an excellent job. Even though you didn't play drums, you still uh, you still beat the skins of our hearts. Yeah, but the comments here they really enjoyed it too. They, they had a bunch of positive positive comments here in the comment section on LinkedIn. Go check it out after the show. But if people want to check you out because you've inspired them or they want to work at Smart Hop, where do we send them? 
they can go to smarthop.co and they'll have all the information and the contact. Thank you very much, Excellent man. Go stuff. enjoy those Pitbull concerts. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me. So the reason Thanks, I asked that, Mike, the reason I asked that is Pitbull is like in Boston, like the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. Like everybody's been to a Dropkick Murphy show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I've been in Miami like once a couple years ago. And like Pitbull is just like a thing that like it's like a rite of passage in Miami. Oh, is it still? I think, yeah, he's still really popular there. He's still <laughs> okay. really popular over there. People <laughs> I mean, love the Pitbull. There was a time when it was Gloria Estefan, you know, Miami Sound Machine, <laughs> et cetera. But. What's, what's cool here, though, is uh, so Taylor Barker, he says, you know, love seeing immigrants like him finding and living the American dream. Yeah. Congrats, man. A lot of comments like that. This Aaron Smedic, this is awesome. What a cool concept. Uh, thank you guys for sharing those, those comments with us as well. And I, I hope uh, Guillermo checks them out. That's cool. Now it's time for a little uh, bad news, good news, okay, right? Okay, good. Sounds good. Here we go. The FMCSA. So finally, they caught up to the news cycle from back in March. The FMCSA uh, will hold a listening session. This is the good news on three pending petitions on broker transparency. That's going to be October 28th. The, uh, and here's a quote from an FMCSA would like to hear from members of the public on their views on regulating the property carrier brokers in general on three pending petitions concerning specific property carrier broker regulation interests. Well, how the turntables, right? Which might say, no, no, we want the transparency. <laughs> anymore. I don't know. That's don't know. the bad news because you might get what you didn't I said at the beginning, want. watch the slippery slope. Here we are a year later. I mean, right yeah. on time. Six months go. later. But yeah, here's the, I, I guess here's I mean, the good news about it. It is a government thing. It'll take forever and nothing's probably going to happen. Yeah, we're all going to be retired before they do anything yeah. anyway. <laughs> all right. You want to hear some good news? Yeah. The DHL supply chain pricing pricing power index is back up to an 85. Woo, it was about an 80 for a couple weeks. It, was it was eight, went down to an 80. I thought yeah. it would go up there to an 85. And consumer spending is up 7%, my friend. Wow. Right? That's good. And there's, you know, with holidays coming OTVI up. is going up. The uh, app on tender rejects is still over one in four. Uh, you know, there's no end in sight. Imports are looking good. Uh, it, it's, it's just blowing through everything. And the, so, the holiday season looks like it's going to be Pretty strong. We're gonna strong end on a strong note. It looks really good. Are we going home or is there bad news? Um, but if you're a shipper, it's oh. not the greatest news on the planet. <laughs> That's gonna be tough. I mean, you know, the demand and the consumer spending and all that kind of stuff is great. So I think if you're on a, a consumer or, or or the shipper, you you've got a little bit of bad news. You know, you got time cycle times, etc., and stuff like that. Chokeholds on the supply chain and certain diff efficient you know efficiencies and stuff like that. So wow. I wouldn't call it necessarily bad news. But. Yeah. Well, here's some good news. Football, yeah. Football's back, right? Football's back. And so far, there have only been, you know, a few schedule disruptions because of the virus and not necessarily what was going on in, in MLB. They figured out a little bit. They're doing their playoffs. But in the NFL, a lot more players to manage, right? And they're not really in that bubble. They're bragging for the first two weeks about how not a positive test. Well, yeah. how things have changed. I have Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore from the Patriots, two-star players that are out. Uh, half the Titans, I think there's, what, 23 people in the Titans organization that have COVID-19. I think the Jets just got sent home from this, their facility. This morning they were talking about it, yeah. They did. So, And I know they had a meeting on Monday. They decided that, look, we're just going to po postpone games as we need to. You saw that last Monday where the Chiefs and Patriots were on at 7 o'clock because they had to, you know, they took a day to figure things out. But the, uh, the that Bills-Titans game, that was postponed last week. They're uh, still in doubt for when it's going to happen. Titans organization, a lot of trouble. And as we move into flu season, It'll be interesting. Do you have an over under? Do you have an over under on if we're finishing the NFL season? Um, yeah, that that's a tough one. I I, I really haven't thought about that. It's yeah. just occurring to me right now. What are you going to do when it, if you get into the playoff situation and you've got to delay things? Um, tough. Yeah, I don't see it finishing. To tell you the truth, unfortunately. 
Yeah. I mean, if it, if, if cases you know, at, at the, at right? the pace it's going right now. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what we were talking about at the beginning when we first you, you, we were talking about the first game that came up. I thought it was kind of funny. You know, you see. Uh, the guys who are in contact and sweating and bleeding on each other and in the trenches not wearing masks, and then you see a referee come up there, pull down his mask, you know, yeah. separate everybody, pull down his mask, and then stick a whistle into his mouth with yeah. his bare hands. And and you're controlling COVID somehow? I, I, I'm confused. <laughs> it, it's a confusing year. In the meantime, you know, they just told the Dolphins, DeSantos told the Dolphins that you can have all your fans come back in the stadium. They're like, nah, well, we're cool with 13,000. Yeah, we're, we're good cool. with this. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. Yeah. We're cool. So Somebody Dallas, Dallas allows them in there. I was watching the Browns-Dallas last weekend, and they had fans in the, in the yeah. stadium. Hey, so. you know you know, in the back, I'm, I'm getting a note here that they have a video summary from uh, our event yesterday. Let's, oh, take, cool. let's take a look at that because we know that's happening. That's not getting canceled because of COVID. No, we already went through that. We're virtual. Oh, yeah. Good morning and welcome to Last Mile Logistics presented by Fleet Enable. It's truly about invisibility. That's our superpower. If we do everything perfectly, last mile, trucking, warehousing, if you do everything perfectly, you're invisible. To think it's all about technology, actually, it's all pretty much all about the process of which the technology is an element of that. Some of our clients recognize that the return experience in many cases is just as important as the delivery experience. I think you've got a lot of companies that are doing some extreme experimentation when it comes to their supply chains, which you know, they probably should be doing because the supply chain today is incredibly complex. The world is starting to move forward with this concept of having everything delivered to us easily. Right, right away. The consolidators depend on the Postal Service, all of them, for delivering the final mile. reality, virtual reality, data analytics, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning. Now, all these are, you know, really coming together. And if, if organizations leverage and harness the power of these, they can dramatically improve the last mile experience that the customer would have. There's a lot to final mile inbound and outbound or, or forward and reverse logistics, et cetera. There's so much tech involved. There's so much more involved with the customer engagement, et cetera. It's, it's really interesting and it's really great. Thank you all for joining us today at Freightways Last Mile Logistics event and enjoy that Peloton, Albert. Isn't that fun? I love giving away the Pelotons at the end of the show. Yeah, I, awesome. I just wish people would ride mine for me. <laughs> no, no, it's a good time. Huh? An AV Peloton. Yeah. Okay, do they have an autonomous one? Like, that just rides while you're not home, and, yeah, and you, you still get be... to get the calories come off exactly. if I tie it into my health app on the iPhone? <laughs> That'd be great. It's a good time. If you want to catch all of those live sessions, like we said, look up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player. You can also find every single Freightways podcast there. You just want What the Truck, just look up What the Truck. It's there. Or download the Freightways TV app. You can rewatch all those sessions. They're live. They're free. Well, they're not live anymore, but they are free. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That is D-O-O-N-E-R. Or at him at Vincent the Dude. Or look up Michael Vincent. we got radio coming up this weekend. I'm going to be talking to Pierre Laguerre. From oh, nice. I love Pierre. Talking to Hope White from uh, Hope White Logistics. Uh, another White one. Logistics. Another favorite. We'll be talking to uh, Wayne Craig. Wayne. about <laughs> his All-star lineup. Getting his point of view on the road. And I need uh, an opener from in-house. You want to you wanna do the first half hour with me? Yeah, sure. All right. And, and Michael Vincent. I'm in. And Michael Peace. Vincent, 3 o'clock on uh, Sweet. 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Sirius XM, channel 146. We'll catch you there. Hey, everybody. What's your catchphrase? Peace and love, yeah, everyone. Peace and love. Woo! Little cowbell for the new set. Little cowbell for the boys in the back and the girls in the back. Let me go all the way. Hey,